A reading from 1 Kings 19 verses 1 to 13. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself, a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. They lay down under the bush and fell asleep. At once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked round and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he travelled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down the altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Good to see people in church. It's been uh, interesting being here without uh, having people to see and say hi to. Uh, but uh, welcome, as Colin welcomed you. Welcome here, welcome online. Good to see people online as well. Um, what a great passage. Probably one of the more well-known stories in the Bible, I think, this one. Uh, certainly came up an awful lot when I was, uh, when I was growing up. The story of uh, Elijah encountering God in, uh, in a gentle whisper. So I'm just going to spend a little bit of time hopefully unpacking that a bit. Um, just a bit of background, a bit of intro, a bit of context to this. Um, we heard Jennifer preach last week about how uh, Elijah had instigated a God-off, if you like, between, uh, between Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Jews, and Baal, 
the, uh, the pagan god worshipped at the time by the king of the Jews, uh, by Ahab. And we know the result of this. God calls down his holy fire, lights up the offering that was given to him, consuming it entirely, despite the fact that the wood was made soaking wet. The prophets of Baal achieved nothing. And in the end, they were completely and utterly defeated. Unfortunately, this upset quite a few people. And uh, Jezebel, the wife of the king Ahab, and in fact the, uh, the, the woman attributed with getting him to worship Baal in the first place, gets somewhat upset about this fact, as you might imagine, and decides that that's enough. Elijah has been a thorn in her side, a thorn in King Ahab's side for far too long. It's time to kill him. Now you might imagine, reading this, that Elijah's just come off of one of the biggest victories to have been seen. He's watched God's holy fire come down in a powerful display. You'd think that he would be buzzing off of this. But the opposite actually happens, and this is something that we see a lot in the Bible. Prophets of God have moments of incredible spiritual activity. They see God move in ways that we can only imagine. And afterwards, they come away feeling defeated, depressed, low, angry. I think of just one example being Jonah, who travels all the way to a city of sin, preaches God to them, and they turn to God, and so God forgives them. And Jonah's angry about this fact. He's just succeeded but he lies down by a tree, angry at what God has done. Here we see Elijah doing very similar. Here we see Elijah sit down and say, I've had enough. Take my life. So I've got a lovely three-point sermon for us all today, because we do get on real well with those. So my first point here is this. God meets us where we are. God meets us where we are. Elijah sits down and he prays this prayer that basically just says, I'm done. Take it all away. I don't want to be a prophet anymore. In fact, I don't even want to live. I can't do it. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with the stress. I can't deal with the anxiety, the threat of my life all the time. The king of this land and his wife, they want me dead. I can't do it. Just kill me. End my life. I wonder if any of us have ever been there or in a similar place. I know I have. I've been twice in my life have I had points where I've said, God, just end it. I can't, I can't do it anymore, just end it. One more recently than I care to think. God, I've had enough. Take my life. What a prayer. What I love about this, though, is God meets that with care, and then he emboldens Elijah with truth. He comes down, what's it say in uh, verse 5? Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep, that's Elijah, all at once, at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. God nourishes Elijah. He gives him food. He looked around and by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, but he lay back down again. It wasn't enough. 
He's still laid down. So what does God do? Sends an angel for a second time. Get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. And this time Elijah obeys. He gets up and he eats. God comes to Elijah in that place that he's in. He doesn't say, oh, well, fine, if that's the way you're going to act, whatever, I'm done, fine. He goes, no, no, come on, have some food, have some nourishment. The journey's a really long one. You can do it. God meets us where we are. He gives us strength to make our journeys. My second point, so we're racing through these already. God meets us in familiar places. Mount Horeb might sound familiar to you. If it does, it's because you've read it in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses has the encounter with the burning bush, Mount Horeb. In Hebrew, I'm not even going to attempt this, but the translation of the Hebrew phrase used for Mount Horeb can be translated as the mountain of God. It is a holy place, an incredibly holy place. So holy, in fact, it's also Mount Sinai. The two mountains are one and the same, or they're part of the same mountain range. There's a couple of differing thoughts on this, but they are in the same location. They're the same place. Moses meets God in the burning bush on Mount Sinai. He goes and he meets God and gets the Ten Commandments, not once but twice at Mount Sinai. He comes down from the mountain with a glowing face. This is a holy place for the people of God. Hebrew culture is one of stories. It's one where stories would be passed down verbally. There wasn't much writing in that time. People did know how to write by then. Writing had developed, but not everyone knew how to do it. It was mostly an oral tradition, spreading stories by telling them around campfires. There's a reason that themes keep coming up in the Old Testament, why phrases keep getting repeated, is to make sure we remember them. So when we talk about Mount Horeb, when the Bible says he travels to Mount Horeb, immediately the people are thinking, right, this is important. If he's traveling to Mount Horeb, and if the storyteller's telling me that, something big's going to happen. God's going to show up. Why? Because it's God's holy mountain. It's a significant place to them. And we're not really sure if God sent Elijah to the mountain or if Elijah went there of his own volition. It certainly doesn't say that God sent him, but God knew that he was making a journey. But either way, this is big, and this is a familiar place. I wonder, how do we connect with God? What's our holy place? What's familiar to us? For me, it's in worship music, you may be surprised to hear. I, I, a lot of my big personal encounters with God happen when I'm listening to worship music in various places at various times. I've even had encounters with God on the train on the way to work listening to worship music. It's my go-to. It's my familiar, safe place. When I'm seeking God, when I'm struggling, I often turn to worship music first. That might surprise you because the Word of God is massively important in our faith. It's God's infallible holy word. It's, it's him written down in book form. But I read the word of God. I study the word of God. I live the word of God. But that's not always how I connect with God. It's okay to seek familiar places. It's okay to go and say, God, I want to meet with you. 
I'm going to go to that place where I, I know that I meet with you. And that might be reading the word. It might be going to nature. I know a lot of people that when they're seeking God, they go for a walk in a field. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. Both the walking and the field doesn't do it for me. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not exactly the walking frame. But uh, so, so going for a walk in a field is not my way of encountering God. Definitely not. And and like I said before, I I read the Word and I study it and I learn things about God by doing that, but I don't get these these epiphany moments where I'm like, wow, there you are. But if I listen to a worship song grounded in truth, a song that I can relate back to the Word, there are times where I've just been in tears because I I just see Him. He's there. But I talk to someone else, and they're like, I can't do, I can't do this worship stuff. What are you talking about? I can't sing. I, I can't stand it, to be honest. But I've read the Word, and it's gone to me. It's okay to seek God in these familiar places, as long as we're not neglecting certain parts of our faith. I'm not saying that it's okay to not read the Bible because you don't hear God speak to you that way. It is important to read the Bible. It's important to seek God in that way. But don't feel guilty if you don't get these epiphany moments because that's not always how God speaks to us and it's not how God may speak to you. For example, it's important that I talk to my wife. I don't think anyone in the room would disagree and if I tried not to talk to my wife, if you know her, you know it wouldn't work anyway. But the times when I feel closest to my wife are actually when we're just sat together holding hands watching something. But I don't not talk to my wife because that's not how I feel close to her. I still talk to her. It's important to to feed into these things. So please don't hear me wrong. I'm not telling you to not read the Bible. It's also really important that we don't try and force other ways. It's good to explore ways of encountering God. It's, it's important to, in fact. But we mustn't try and force another way to happen. And I've got another personal story about this. As a teenager, I went through a, a period of time where I really struggled with, not with my faith, but with the fact that I'd never really had this big God reveal moment. I had friends who hadn't been Christian and had had these great conversion stories of feeling weights lifted of them, of, of seeing visions and stuff as part of their conversion. And I'm there going, yeah, I've been a Christian my whole life. It's cool, isn't it? It's great. I haven't had this moment. And I remember hearing someone speak about, um, they were just sharing in church about this time that they were, they were at rock bottom, kind of like Elijah. And they just went, God, I, I, just, I just need you. And their Bible falls off the shelf, lands in front of them, and there is the verse that they need to hear. Amazing. And I thought, right, I want that. All right, here we go. Bible on a shelf. God, off you go. Do your thing. Kept praying. Come on, God. It's, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Bible's going to fall off the shelf. Bible didn't fall off the shelf. Let's be clear about that. So I went, all right, fine. Grab the Bible. I'm going to open it. You're going to speak to me. You are going... I tried to tell God that he's going to speak to me, which, by the way, is a really bad idea. Put the Bible down, opened up the page, some random genealogy of some king in the Bible. Right, no, shut the Bible. You're going to speak to me. You're going to do this. I went through this a couple of times. Anyway, I I did stop eventually, 
because I threw my Bible open and God went, okay, you want a verse? Here's a verse. Don't rush God's plans or try to tell him what to do. That was the verse that came to me. Don't rush God's plans or tell him what to do. Everything happens in his time and his way. Okay, shut the Bible, walked away. Don't even remember where, I have not found where in the Bible that passage is because I was so scared that I just walked away. Don't try to force other ways of encountering God. At best, it probably won't work. At worst, you may be trying to order God to do something that he doesn't want to do. God meets us in familiar places. Having said that, point number three, God meets us in unexpected ways. In our story with Elijah here, he turns up to the mountain of God and he gets a storm, he gets an earthquake, he gets fire. Now again, these are really familiar concepts to Jewish people. If they're listening to this story, they're thinking about all the times in the Torah alone, let alone extra, extra Torah parts of, of history, where God has appeared in this way. Even at Mount Horeb alone, Moses and the burning bush, fire, at Mount Sinai there was a storm, a loud wind and a trumpet sound, followed by the whole mountain shaking, an earthquake. If nothing else, this is a sign that God's about to show up. When he shows up in those times, it's powerful. He says to Moses, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. When he appears at Mount Sinai, he says no one must approach because if they touch the mountain, they'll die. But then something unexpected happens. God does speak to Elijah, but he speaks in a gentle whisper. Calm, quiet after this moment of power. Perhaps God was showing his power before saying, I'm here and I'm with you. Perhaps he wanted to show Elijah his power, to say, come on, I'm your God, I've got this. Maybe. Maybe he wanted to tell Elijah that a pivotal moment is about to happen. We don't really know. But what we know is God shows up in a big and powerful way. But then he communicates with Elijah in an unexpected way. He tells Elijah that he's going to pass by. Same words he gave to Moses when he passed in front of Moses, but covered his face. And Moses comes down from the mountain glowing, literally glowing. I will pass by. Instead, he gives a gentle whisper. And what's great about this is Elijah was willing to wait and listen and recognize the whisper after the loud storm. He knew God's voice, and he was ready to say, no, I will wait. I will wait for God to speak to me. God is a personal God. Often he speaks to us in little whispers, small prompts, messages on Facebook. God speaks to us in lots of ways, many of them gentle, and he does this with Elijah, and the way that the rest of this goes, without spoiling the story too much, is God uses this moment to prepare Elijah to go and anoint another prophet. Go and find Elisha to prepare the way for more work of God. And Elijah is considered one of the most important figures in Jewish history, alongside Moses. That's why he appears with Moses at the Transfiguration when Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus goes up there. 
He's an important figure. And in this moment, God just whispers to him, Elijah. I also love the question. God doesn't tell him what to do. He just says, why are you here? He lets Elijah engage in this conversation. Why, why are you here? What a great question. God already knows. He knows everything. He knows why Elijah's there. But he gives him a chance. Why are you here? Why are you here, Elijah? God engages him in a conversation. We need to be prepared to hear God in many ways. It might be a powerful epiphany moment. A moment where God becomes so clear that we cannot ignore him but it might just be a gentle whisper. More so now for us as Christians, as we have the Holy Spirit given to us freely. In the time of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was certainly around and active, but only in specific moments where the Spirit of God shows up. Now, the Spirit of God is poured out for us as Christians. Happened at Pentecost. Again, fire. Tongues of fire at Pentecost. Spirit of God turns up And he is with us always. He's our helper. And he gives us prompts and whispers. And we have to be listening out for these. How do you do that? I think the first step is simply saying, I want to listen. I want to hear you. And if you haven't prayed that, or if you found that you're in a place where you haven't heard from God in a while, I encourage you to try that. It's a very difficult prayer to pray if you've been struggling for a while. Try it anyway. God, I want to hear. Teach me to hear. Holy Spirit, you're with me. Help me to hear. We must be listening out for this. We must be ready for this as Christians. God is literally with us and in us. We need to listen to his prompts. We need to learn to recognize his voice. And we need to be ready to answer his questions. Elijah, why are you here? Father God, I thank you for your word, uh, an incredible gift given to us to tell us about you and who you are, not just the history of your people, God, but you as a person. And I thank you that you meet us in places that can be familiar, God, that you're you're not some distant God who says, no, 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 you listened to worship the other day. God, you, you, are, you are there to meet us in familiar ways. But thank you, God, that you also surprise us with how you communicate with us. Lord, may we be open to hearing from you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us, that we can learn your voice and learn your prompts. Be with us. Help us to hear. Help us to answer. And thank you, God, that when we are in dark places and we feel alone, you are there with us, nourishing us, encouraging us, and speaking truth over us. Again, Lord, may we hear those prompts. In your precious name, amen.